why they're doing that, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 6, we're going to start at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. The message I'd like to bring you today, I, it was sort of interesting. I sat down and and I, as I always do, and I on my computer, and I set out my little word program and my how I type out my notes and all this stuff. And and to be honest with you, I sat down and I thought, I don't know what you want me to do today, Lord. You know, I don't know, I don't know what you want me to do this week. I really don't have a clue. So I just typed at the top of my page what to do. And I just went from there. I started praying. I started listening to praise music. Uh, just reading the Bible and looking at the Lord, what do you want me to do? What to do is what my topic was. Well, if I got further in that, I, God gave me the answer, what to do. And so I didn't, little did I know, I just put that up there to be funny to my, all by myself. I got to humor myself sometimes with nobody else. But uh, I just put that up there. But God gave me the answer. And so I, I want to share it with you today. And, and I guess the thought that, that came to mind as I prayed and, and just sort of looked at things is that uh, evil just seems to get worse and worse, doesn't it? Uh, it is. I hope this is an encouraging message. It can be somewhat of a challenging message. It, be honest with you, it's not a lot like me. Uh, I, I think it's maybe a little different. I'm not going to be going verse by verse through a, a chapter or verse and explaining that. But, but I, as I thought and prayed about that, just evil is everywhere. It's thriving. It seems like the church is fading. I mean, you know, we, at 9-11 happened. Do you remember going to church at 9-11? Uh, I don't know what the exact date was, but the few days after that, the house was packed. But then we've come along about, so many, what, 18 years, and it's back to business as usual. And there's not many in the church. Uh, to be honest with you, I feel like a lot of times, and, and maybe myself, I'm not pointing at you. You know, they say if you're pointing at somebody else, you got three fingers pointing back at you. But it seems as, as Christians in general have pretty much a take-it-or-leave-it attitude about the church today. And I picked this uh, verse in 2 Timothy because I knew this would be your answer after my opening statement. Well, Brother Kenny, don't you know in 2 Timothy 3... Verses 1 through 5, it says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. We've seen that, right? We're seeing more and more uh, crime. We're seeing more and more evil sprout up all over the place. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, Unholy. He's given a whole list of real encouraging stuff, isn't he? I mean, from our government all the way down, you see this. Without natural affection, we see that all over the place, running rampant, truce breakers. I mean, it's just people won't hold to keep the word for nothing. Uh, false accusers, people being falsely accused. If you're not sure of that, just turn on the TV at any time. Go to C-SPAN and watch some of the junk going on. Day after day, for, for three years now, they have accused our president of some things that he did not do just to fit their own agenda. 
Now, I won't get into all that, and I know that's probably a touchy subject for some of you, but that's the truth. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. We see that the people just, they hate the church. They hate people that do good. Uh, we've seen this in, in our Supreme Court nominations and, and all the rest. Through It trickles down through our jobs and all the rest. Uh, they despise those that seem to do good and, and call, have morals and, and uh, moral beliefs and dignity about them. They seem to be like they're on the outside now. It says they're traitors, uh, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. People are more concerned about what about me, what I want, more than what God wants. Having a form of godliness but be not denying the power thereof. I think you see that all across our, our nation and people something have, oh, we need to pray. You hear it on the news, we need to pray. Don't know more about prayer and God than anything else under the sun. That's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We need to pray for, uh, pray for this group, but yet we're going to kill babies and the church better be quiet and you better not mention the name of Jesus Christ and all religions are good, right? Y'all see where um, it, it, it's sort of a bleak picture, and you're like, boy, I'm glad I came today, right? Brother Kenny was really positive this morning. But see, this is the answer to my opening statement. I said evil's everywhere. The church is fading. Christians seem to have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. And, and you would respond, well, Brother Kenny, don't be surprised. That's what the Bible says. And that is true. I think it will fall off. But, but why is it getting that way? Turning your Bibles now to Romans chapter 3. We're in 2 Timothy 3. Now go to Romans 3. I want you to look at some things with me this morning and, and just help understand how we got to this point. And maybe is there anything that we can do to correct it? Is there anything we can do to straighten it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we study your word. And Lord, uh, I'll be honest that sometimes it's not real comfortable to read some of the things you have to say to us. It's not real comfortable sometimes to stand and proclaim the truth of your word, Lord, but you've called us to that. Whether we like it or not, whether we think it makes us feel good or not, Lord, it's still truth. And we know that. Lord, I pray that you would just help us see the truth of your word this morning. I pray, Father, that you'd help, that you'd give me the words to say, that I would Proclaim the truth of your word boldly, but lovingly and carefully, that we would understand and see that truth and be doers of that truth this morning. Give me the words to say in these next few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So why is it getting that way? Romans chapter 3. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So he's quoting Psalms and probably Psalms 14. We all know that. In, there, in my flesh is no good thing, right? So we shouldn't be surprised at that way, uh, that, that things are going up that bad. And, and, and the psalmist says, there's none righteous, no, not one. And Paul here in Romans quotes that. He says, there's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. Did you know that? You say, well, I seek after God. 
I mean, you think the 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 what, the patriot and the saint of the church? Surely he or she seeks after God. Well, he may, but or she may, but not in herself. See, do you know that the Holy Spirit within you is the one that wants to draw you to God to get to go knowing better? Uh, in my flesh, even me, you know, the, not even me, but as a pastor, you think, well, surely you seek after God. Not in my flesh. The Bible says in me is no good thing. I, I, if, if it wasn't for God's Holy Spirit within me, I'd be just like everybody else. And, and I, I'm not saying I'm not guilty. I, I really don't want to put me on a pedestal. But some people look at a pastor as a pedestal. They surely he seeks God, you know, surely he doesn't fit that. But see, what I'm saying is even in the flesh of any preacher, except apart from the Holy Spirit of God that, that draws him, that gives him the desire, he's a person just like you are with self, self wanting self, wanting the best for self that could easily be entangled with, with the desires of the flesh. And it's only by God's Holy Spirit that check, keeps that in check, right? For all believers. So in our flesh and you know, of ourselves, there's none that seek after God. There's, they have all gone out of their own way, verse 12. They are all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throats are an open sepulcher. Their tongues uh, they have used to deceit. The poison of aseps is under their lips. They say, wow, even preachers, people turn on your TV and look. There are men that claim to be preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're in it for no other reason than to, to bring out self. Oh, no, I don't know about that, brother. I do. You look at it. There's many. It's all about building a great big resume, so I can build a big mega church, so everybody can say, "Look at what he did." Uh, it's, uh, if you, you wouldn't believe how easy it is for a preacher to fall into a trap of pride, how to, how easy it is even for preacher and is for everyone to fall into that trap. To be deceived and, and to be more concerned with self, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways. Well, it's a pretty bad picture here, isn't it? And the way of peace have they not known. And verse 18 is the answer to it all. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So I go back to my opening statement in which you tell me that, hey, that's the way it is, right? That's the end times. You know what the answer to that is? You know why it is? Because I think we've forgot how to fear God. There's no fear of God. Uh, it used to be when you would talk to someone that was unsaved or someone in the world, you could say, let's go to the Word of God. Whether you're right, I'm right, or whatever, this is going to be the rock in which we stand, and we'll find the truth. It used to be that. Y'all remember that day? Whoops. Y'all remember when it was like that? Nowadays, it's, I don't even want to hear that mess. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. 
I don't need this. Nothing. They they want to throw the word of God completely out. They've taken it out of our schools. You know all that. Out of our government. Out of everything. Let's just discredit this. And I don't know. It was written by a bunch of men with their own personal agenda. Right? Robin's even taking a big sigh. So I better get on with it. It all falls down. There's no fear of God in their eyes. And and, 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 and unsaved people in this world, why do you think there's so much evil? There's no fear of God. Why is the church fading away? There's no fear of God. Why do Christians just say, hey, I can take it or leave it. If I get time, I'll go down to the church. If I get time, I'll read my Bible. If I get time, I'll do good. There's no fear of God. You say, wait a minute, Brother Kenny. I don't know what I drew. Just bear with me, okay? I know the Bible says that God casts out all fear. I know all the scriptures that are running through your mind right now. Say, oh, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who are called according to his purpose, right? Those are great promises. But there's still some fear that ought to be there. And I want to show them to you. Let me give you some examples. Now, I know this to be true. How many of you are uh, Google mechanics? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Steve knows what I'm talking about. Your car breaks down. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to go to Google and figure out how to fix it, right? You're going to start researching. You're Google mechanics. That's what I call them. Your air condition goes out in your house? Google it. Tiffany and Clint went up camping in their brand new camper and, and uh, they got up there and the next morning the... the, the, the uh, Carbon monoxide detector, the lights, everything was going, flashing, going crazy. What was the first thing Clint did? He got on that phone and started Googling. What in the world is going on in my camper? Now he's a camper mechanic. Google camper mechanic. What's my point? Your car breaks down, fear sets in. What? Right? It's going to cost me a lot of money. How am I going to get to my job? How am I going to get to... Wherever I'm going, fear sets in over cost, over transportation, and you've got to find the answer. Oh, let's find the answer quick. I can't afford this. i got somewhere i got to be. And we just search frantically and research every possible uh, avenue that's out there in hopes that we can fix it ourselves without costing me a lot of money. Or making it inconvenient. A fear of cost. A fear of inconvenience. How about if you're something around your house, as I said, breaks down? You go to Google it, right? You don't? You call the repairman? Well, she's got a lot of money. I don't have that much money, so I got to research Google. But if something breaks it, the point is, is we want to just research and find out what's going on. What about if your doctor tells you you've got a bad illness? You've got to have surgery. You've got this little spot, and he gives you this name about that long. After you get out of that doctor's office, what do you do? What does that mean? 
You're on your phone. What does that mean? You're going to research every possible thing. I bet Marie did that, didn't she? David did that. Steve, you probably did that when they give you. Boy, you want to find out more than the doctors know. You were adamant about it because of a fear of a sickness, a fear of an illness that, that may cost you surgery, that may cost you to be out of work, that may cost you your life. But you are in great fear of these things. So what do you do? You start researching. You start finding the answers. You start, you're trying to come up with a hope for the cure for this problem that this doctor gave you that you can't even pronounce. But boy, you're going to study it for, to no end, day and night. No matter what your problem is, fear. See, the truth is fear drives us all. And you say, oh, not me. Steve's back here. Not me. I'm a macho man. I'm a manly man. Nothing scares me. But that's not true. Every one of us are driven by fear. Oh, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Why do you go to work? Because you're afraid they'll fire you. You don't. Well, why do you work? Because you're afraid if you don't have that income, you can't eat. You can't pay your bills. Everybody, for one point or another, is driven by fear. Whether you want to admit it or not. You can be a macho man, whatever you want to be, but you are driven at some point by fear. Fear that your family's not being provided for. Uh, why don't you speed everywhere you go? And there's some of you I just got to leave out of this class because you do. Paula. But, but why do you speed everywhere? Why, why don't you? I fear you get a ticket. I fear you might have an accident. Paula, I bet when Aiden's in the car, you don't speed as bad, do you? For fear... That she would hurt that little one. Everybody's driven by fear. And fear causes us to want to act different. And do things differently. But I said that there's less fear of God today than there ever has been. See we're all driven by this. And, and um, But I think in this world of this evil... There's no fear of God. In the church that's fading away, there's beginning less and less fear of God. In the Christians that say, I, I can take it or leave it, there's becoming less and less fear of God. And it's sad, but it's true. See, their actions point to that. You say, oh, no, Brother Kenny, you're judging people. Mm-mm, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you what God's Word says. Because, see, you can say all day long you love someone, but if you never talk to them, you never spend time with them, you never do anything with them, your actions speak a little bit different. And, see, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know certain things about my kids, and they say things, and I'm like, no, not really. But that's okay. You don't understand. You haven't really got it yet. I grew up knowing, and I know there's a lot of church people that, I love the Lord. You see them on Christmas and Easter. Your actions are speaking louder than your words. I know this is tough. And I told you, this is not one I really like doing. I'm not really that, 
preacher. But I think it's an important message for us to understand today. That your actions speak louder than your words. And this fear of God is diminishing over time more and more, and not only in the world, but in our churches. If it wasn't, this church would be packed out this morning, just like it was after 9-11. Just like any other great catastrophe that happens in our world, your churches are packed out. And I've said before, uh, <laughs> and Brian got sort of a kick out of it, who's going to preach? The day after the rapture is probably going to be the high attendance Sunday. Sad but true. Out of fear of what's going on. Um, we have so many different fears that drive us and to make us to do things. And But what about the fear of God? And I know you're sitting there thinking, well, Brother Kenny, you need to get on with this. I know there's no, I'm not supposed to be afraid of God, right? I'm supposed to be crawl up in his lap and crawl him up a father. That's exactly right. So what is it? Let's go back a little bit, and then you don't have to turn here, but I like chapter 3 today, I guess. I didn't notice it just now. Genesis chapter 3. We're in 2 Timothy 3, Romans 3, now Genesis 3. It'll be easy for you to remember. You know that Adam and Eve are, were tempted by the serpent, and they ate of the apple. And you come to this point, and he said, And the woman saw that the tree was good. This is Genesis chapter 3, 6 saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They became wise all right, didn't they? What happened as soon as Adam and Eve ate of the fruit? They realized they were naked. They wanted to clothe themselves. See, God had warned them, don't eat of the tree. It wasn't, about, it wasn't anything magical in the fruit. What the, 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 the difference was there is God said don't, and they did, and they figured out they could make their own choice. You see, that's the way a lot of us are in this world, this, this evil and evil. They're making their own choice. There's a free will of man. And I can't get into all that this morning, but we make choices every day. And I want to ask you, what drives those choices? What makes you make those choices? We talked about it. Fear does a lot. But they realized they were naked in verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God working it, walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. So they had the fruit. They realized they were naked. And then they heard God coming. And they ran and hide. that remind you of anything? I know my kids were. If they did something wrong, they didn't want to see Daddy. They were running. If I came in the front door, they went out the back door for fear of Daddy. And daddy's judgment and daddy's wrath, same thing here. They heard God coming and the fear overcame them. And they hid themselves from God. And then verse 9, and the Lord God called on them, Adam. Is it like God didn't know where he was? No. See, he's calling for Adam's attention. He needed Adam to come to him. 
just like he needs us to come to him. He's not going to make you come. He's going to call you. And it's up to you to respond. And so he calls Adam. It was up to Adam to respond. And he said unto him, Where art thou? And then Adam answered said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, and I hid myself. There's one of the first places we see where man is afraid of God. We're afraid of God and his judgments on us. We've done evil in his sight, and so we fear what he's gonna, what's going to happen. He gave us something to do, and we failed it, and we're scared to death of what his judgment's going to be, right? See, this fear began because of sin. And because of that sin, now man stands in front of a holy God and waits on his judgment. It's a pretty bleak picture there too, isn't it? It's going to get better, trust me. Just hold on with me, okay? I'm going to try to encourage you some here. Uh, Throughout the ages from that point on, now man has tried their best to reconcile themselves to God. In every religion, and that's why I said I hate religion, because religion is the man's way or man's desire or, or effort to bring themselves to God. Salvation Christianity is God comes to me. So throughout the ages, man tries to come up a way to appease God and, and all the rest. And have you ever heard of Martin Luther? You don't know who Martin the, the great reformer, right? He started the Reformation where he decided that the the Roman Catholic Church was not right in what they were teaching. And so he wrote out his thesis on all this and nailed it to the door of the church. He said, this is where you're wrong. He started the Reformation. Great man of God. He cleared up a lot of things for us as far as to... But did you know that Martin Luther before that was a very depressed man? Very depressed grew up wanting to know God and figure out God so he became a monk yep that'll do it right uh, there he was he was taught and the monks taught him that uh, that salvation is by grace but you got to earn that grace he said oh that's terrible but I'm afraid that a lot of Christians are the same way. Oh, we got it. Jesus died for my sins on the cross, and I'm going to heaven. But I better work the rest of my Christian life to, get, to gain that grace that God shed for me, to repay him for what he did. We're not a whole lot different a lot of times. But that is so far from the truth. That is so far from what God's word teaches us. They taught him that salvation is by grace, but you've got to earn the grace. And, that, and, and the harder that Martin Luther worked at that and tried to do that, the more discouraged and more depressed he would get. You see, that's what it's going to be like. If you're trying to gain access to God and get to God on your own for just flat-out fear of God's judgment, you know what? You're going to get discouraged and just throw in the towel. You're going to want to quit. And I think that's what a lot of the world's problem is. They've heard preachers stand up and say, you've got to cut your hair, you better, girls, you can't wear pants, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to, and they've given all these laws that they cannot do. So a lot of people just get tired of it. And they throw in the towel and say, I can't do this religion stuff. 
See, preachers stand every Sunday and try to scare people to death into salvation. And to a point, that's okay. Because I think that the point of salvation, you, you ought to come to the point that you understand that you're a sinner and only by God's grace that he sent his son to die in your behalf and to pay your sin debt. And if you don't accept that, one day you're going to stand before God and answer for your sin. As an unbeliever now. That's, what, that's where you ought to be as an unbeliever. So to a point, that's okay. And I think that's part of our problem today. Too many churches are out here and they want to, uh, it talks about in the end times, they're going to tickle their ears. They're going to tell people what they want to hear. And they're going to just spice up the gospel so it's so lovely. And God's so loving and God's so caring and he absolutely is. But he's also a just God that will judge sin. And you're going to stand before him one day in one or two ways. As an unbeliever, you're going to stand before him in the great white throne judgment and you will answer for your sin. That's the truth of the gospel. That ought to bring fear to everyone. But they've lost that fear. They've lost that thought that one day I will have to answer for my actions. See, Martin Luther got so depressed because he couldn't find peace with God. As much as he tried, he couldn't find peace. And he finally found the answer. God showed him through the power of the Holy Spirit the truth of Romans, the truth of Galatians and Ephesians. And he wrote a thesis and nailed it to the door of the church. He said, what you're teaching is not right. They said Martin Luther confessed to the priest so much that the priest finally told him, look. I mean, they said he'd go on for like six or eight hours a day, him confessing. Because he was so afraid of God. The priest finally told him, said, look, don't come back, please. Unless you commit adultery or fornication. But all these other sins, we got it. You've confessed them. He was so adamant about wanting to gain favor with God. And, and all he knew was to go to the priest. But when he realized that... We have a high priest that came once and for all, died for the sins of the world. You don't no more go to a high priest. You no more go to the priest. I can go right in the presence of God and cry, Abba, Father. I can confess my sins and know that he's faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. As an unbeliever, we'll stand before him. It's an age-old question. How do I get to God now? How do I get God not to judge me for what I am? Job asked the question in Job 9, 2. He says, I know it is to the truth, but how should man be justified with God? See, in chapter 8, Bildad uh, says to him, one of his friends, you need to be more perfect. You need to do better. That's what Martin Luther understood. That's what brought him to depression. And discouragement. Dude, the fact is you can't do better. There ought to be a reasonable amount of fear there that brings you to in the presence of God and understand how holy he is. But once you're there, then you ought to realize there's no way I can do it. And Job asked the question, how do I get to God? How do I do this? Man is wanting to do it from all the time. Romans 10, you don't have to turn there, write it down, 2 and 3. He says, for I bear them record 
that they have a zeal of God, a zeal of God but not according to knowledge? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. That's false religion. They're ignorant of salvation. They're ignorant of the fact that Jesus provided, or God provided salvation in the Son of Jesus Christ. And they're ignorant of that, so they try to work their own way because they're driven by fear to one day I'm going to stand before him. He said, okay, Brother Kenny, I got it. The unsaved, the ones that haven't accepted Jesus as a personal Savior, will stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and he will judge you for your sin. That's the Bible truth. And there ought to be fear in all the world of that. That one day that is going to happen, whether you want to accept it or not. You say, Brother Kenny, well, I'm glad I got saved. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He's covered my sins, washed my sins away, and I don't have to worry about standing before God like that. You're right. You don't. But there's also something called the great white throne, or the, not great white throne, the judgment seat of Christ. Uh-oh. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, wherefore we labor. He's talking we as Christians that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether good or bad. That ought to draw fear in the Christians. That ought to draw fear in the church. Not a fear of judgment. People, get this clear. And I don't want you going out and telling Everybody in the world, you're going to be judged for your sins. Your sin problem was paid for and dealt with once and for all on the cross. All of sin, he paid for the sins of the whole world. Past, present, and future. Your sins are paid for. As Christians, we know that. We understand that. But do you know that God will hold us accountable one day? As we stand before him, what did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do? So now there's an illness again. There's a sickness again. There's, there's a problem of thing again. Are you on Google looking for the answer? Are you on Google looking for the answer, people? That's the problem with take it or leave it church. That's the problem with uh, Brother Kenny wants to have another Bible study. I'd just soon eat. I love to eat too, people. But eating is not more important than spiritual eating. That's the truth. Because see, I've got a problem. One day I'm going to have to give an answer for all that I've done. Every word that I say, and as a preacher... It's more fearful for me because I, got, I know God's going to hold me more accountable. And I prayed about that long and hard before I answered the call to go into ministry. And I said, God, you know I can't do it. But by your help, I'll do the best I can. Hey, do I do it perfect? Absolutely not. Do I fail? I absolutely do. But I know there's a fear one day I'm going to stand before him and answer for every word that I teach. Every effort I make. 
and I'll stand before him one day. See, you say, well, Brother Kenny, 2 Timothy 1, 7, there's no fear. God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. See, as a Christian, like Adam, I don't have a fear of standing before a holy God and being judged for my sin. So that fear is gone. The fear of judgment is gone. But the fear that I would let him down, I guess I could say. The fear that I would fail him when he gave so much for me. The fear that I may disappoint him. And you know, you don't, you can't, by the way, I can't stand when somebody says, I'm so disappointed in you. To me, they put themselves on a place of God. And the only person you'll ever disappoint, you could probably ever disappoint is God. And you know, guess what? You don't disappoint him. He already knows how messed up you are. And he already knows what you're going to, so you don't even disappoint him. So don't ever let anybody give you that mess if you disappointed me. Just go in their face. They can't say that. They're not God. He's the only one that could be disappointed, and he already knows. And he still loves you. So uh, don't let people get that to you. God has not given us this fear. What Paul is talking about to this young preacher named Timothy, he, uh, if you look up that word, you know, I'm not, is delea in the Greek? It's the spirit uh, uh, that, the spirit is that not given of us of God. The word uh, talks about being coward or timid. And is never used in a good sense. That fear that that Timothy or that Paul gives Timothy is: don't be afraid to share the gospel. Don't worry about it. God's in control. Share the gospel. Tell the good news. Don't be timid, Timothy. That's the fear he's talking about. That there is no fear. He gives us a boldness to proclaim his word. He gives us a boldness to tell others and to live the life we should. Not a fear, but this fear that that um, that we're talking about of judgment but and a fear of being timid. But I believe there's also a, this other fear as Christians in Acts 9.31. He says, then, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. The church was growing and prod- and they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost was multiplied. See, this fear is the fear that I was talking about. It's, it's an awesome dread of displeasing God. There's a fear of judgment. There's a fear of just being scared to death and being timid. But I think there's a fear of just displeasing God. And, and to give you the best example, I, I was talking to Robin on the way to church. And I said, why don't, you know, and y'all don't go anywhere with this. Don't start any rumor. I said, why don't we cheat on each other? Well, because we made an oath and said we wouldn't, and, and she's not wrong. You know, and I said, well, okay, but what? Well, because there might be divorce involved. You know? That's that fear of judgment. 
But what I want her to understand and what I want you to understand about God, throw out the judgment. Throw out the fear of judgment. Throw out the being timid, but have a holy fear. To walk in fear means that, Robin, I love you. And I love you so much that I'd never, ever want to hurt you in that way. I'd never want to displease you. I have a fear of displeasing my wife. God wants us there with him. As Christians, we should walk in a fear. I love you so much, Lord. I don't never want to displease you. I don't want, never want to hurt you. You love me and I love you the best I know how. And this is the way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in fear that I may do something that would hurt you. We're not afraid of judgment. That's paid for at the cross. We're afraid of standing before him and having to admit, Lord, I just didn't do all I could have. I'm sorry I wasted my time. That's how you walk in a godly fear. You understand the differences of the fears now today? Yeah, we don't fear God for judgment. We fear him because we love him. We reverence him because he loves us and gave himself for us. And I'll close. Psalms 111.10, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Over and over and over you see it throughout the Bible. To fear the Lord. That means to reverence him. To fear that somehow you may displease him. Or you may not do all that he's wanted you to do. That's how you walk in fear. If we walk in the fear of the Lord, then we aren't. If we walk in the fear of the Lord, then... As I said at the beginning, you got something wrong, you're going to Google, 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 right? Now that you understand you might have a problem, that you might not do all that God wants you to do if you don't even know him, why aren't you studying him? You would if your car was broke. You would if something in your house broke. You would if you were sick. We've all in the same boat. We've all got the same problem. Will we find a hard time to find out the answers to the problems? Is it important enough? Is it good enough? Let me ask you this way. Is what God wants important at all? Is it important enough for you to want to study it? And one of, people, that's why we come to church. I'm glad we have fellowships. I'm looking forward to the fellowships. But if that's the center of our, fo- our uh, focus here, we're missing the point. The center of our focus is to learn more about him. So we serve him in a better way. So we tell others of his love and his grace and his mercy. Because we fear him and love him. Does that make sense? Is he enough to be feared? I hope each and every one of you has, if we bow our heads and close our eyes, 
It says, at one point in your life, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. That takes away for your judgment if you've accepted Jesus. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved from the judgment of sin that God has. If you've done that, that's great. If you haven't, I wish you'd talk to me more about it. But Christian, I want to ask you, do you walk in fear that you're doing all you could for God? It's Brother Kenny, I don't really know. That's why study is so important. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not being ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Walk in fear of the Lord that we would displease him. Is he enough? Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for each one that's come here today and I know, Lord, I'm, I may be just preaching to the choir, and you say, well, they're, they're here. But, Lord, we all need to remind it, and, 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 and even more than that, we come in here to be equipped. Maybe we don't need the message so much as we need to tell the message, and we understand that. Lord, I pray you'd reveal the truth of your word to us so we can live that, first of all, in our own lives, and maybe help others to live as you would have them to live. Lead and guide us, Father, and all we say and do, we thank you and praise you for your word, for the, the opportunity to come to your house to worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.